Hey, man, intros are so weird. Like, what do you guys want me to say here? It's so awkward. I need like a, I need a guy, I need a guy or a gal and like a band to do the whole thing. It'll be like, I don't know, I got some hot cues here. Be like, like, I don't know. I just, something like that. I, that is fitting for me. Uh, I am Mr. Adam X. This is the Pursuit Podcast on the Out of Collective. Uh, I'm hurt. I've got a lower back injury. I think it's my sciatic nerve, actually. Uh, I've been bumming for like, uh, to this day, a week, seven days. I've been laying on a hardwood floor, trying to trying to piece it together, but I'm in pain, so I'm trying to listen to my body. It's not easy. Uh, thank you for everyone who reached out and gave me advice and kind of helped me through it. It's, I don't know, it, it just is what it is. You got to listen to your body, so sometimes, you know, it's not always fun, but I'm not... I'm not getting younger, and I just listen. That's all I can do. Uh, I hope everyone's well. I am well otherwise. Uh, mentally, I'm in a great place. Oh, last year standing. Can we talk about that? Uh, if you don't know what it is, go follow at Ski the Whites and give it a look. It boiled down to two gentlemen, Ben, a.k.a. Bubba, and Brody. And I love it because it's just like, here's Ben, who's just, I think he's an engineer, super casual human. And then there's Brody, who's a pro athlete. And they go head to head. I think Bubba bailed at 64 laps and Brody did a 65th lap for the win. Uh, There are no winners and losers in that. It's an unbelievable event. If you don't know what it is, again, go look at Ski the Whites. Essentially, you do one lap of a thousand foot of vertical every hour on the hour and these humans did 65 laps so that's 65 hours straight over 120 miles of skiing over 60k of vert i mean we're talking about doing everest twice and then let's add transitions to that uh, it's unbelievable it's wild but other than the last year standing that gave me anxiety and kept me up all night uh, that's really it. That's what I got going on. It's We're calling for some snow, so I'm hoping to be rested and hopefully go skiing soon. Like in, in actual good snow. So maybe that'll happen. Anyway, sponsors this week. We got a couple. My first sponsor is Darn Tough. Darn Tough Socks. Made in Vermont. Made in the USA. Guaranteed for life. I mean... They're socks, and they're great socks, and they're guaranteed for life because they're they're great socks. If they were garbage, they wouldn't guarantee them for life. If it does rip, and it does, things rip, things happen. You know, I walk around in my socks all day, all the time. So if they do, they're guaranteed for life. You send them back. It doesn't get much easier than that. Uh, free shipping when you spend $50 or more. Go to darntuff.com. Buy some socks. My second sponsor this week is Spot Insurance. Let's face it, if you're active, the risk of injury is always present. Meaning if we push ourselves too hard, 
We're just one accident away from crushing medical expenses, not to mention less time spending doing the things we love. That's why Spot partners with ski resorts like Telluride, Taos, and organizations like USA Cycling to offer injury insurance with lift tickets, memberships, and race registrations. Spot easily integrates with any booking platform and does all the heavy lifting to ensure guests are covered. If your customer gets hurt, Spot can cover up to 25,000 of their out-of-pocket medical bills per incident with zero deductible. With Spot, your customers can focus on full and quick recovery so they can get back to living their best lives. Visit outofbounds.getspot.com to partner with Spot and provide your guests with an amazing experience while showing them that their health and safety are top priorities. A win for your business and for your community. So again, if you haven't gotten the memo, my sponsors this week are Darn Tough. Check them out, darntough.com, Socks Made in Vermont, and Spot Insurance. To learn more about, about Spot Insurance, go to outofbounds.getspot.com. And now for the fun part. It's Olympics, so I figured why not get an Olympian? And this isn't a former Olympian. This is a current Olympian. Uh, I posted on my personal social last week of athletes you guys wanted to hear from. And Hannah got the most responses. Uh, She's a hometown Killington ripper. She's a mogul skier. Hannah Soar, she just got seventh. And I know we go, we talk about this, so I don't feel bad in the intro, but we talk about you go to the Olympics because you want a medal. But she got seventh in the world. The entire globe, she got seventh. And that is something to be extremely proud of. Hannah was an amazing sport. We had so much fun. And we just had a great conversation. We talk Olympics, we talk about China, we talk about the food, we talk about phone hacking. Uh, So before I ramble too much, here is the episode with Hannah. Well, and it's your it's your life, right? I think we're recording, so this is just on. We'll just start right here. Um, but this is your life. Like people forget that you, like your friends are your teammates, and that is your entire life. And you're right. Young, it's so true. <laughs> but like those are people you hang out with. Like you don't get to do every the social things that maybe I get to do or anyone else. Like you have social obligations and. But like, you're an athlete. Your job is to train and Olympic year to succeed and, you know, qualify and get in and do your job. Totally. I mean, I always joke that it's like a family because you don't pick them and then you got to deal with them. And like, you may or may not really like them. (laughs) And I'm like lucky enough to have like a pretty solid family where I'm like, oh yeah, like I do actually really like these people. (laughs) But it is funny because, you know, you travel the world with these people you arguably have to be with them 24 seven in a very stressful time in their lives. Like in that Olympic season, you know, we're traveling, maybe logistically, it's not going well. Maybe you're not competing well. Maybe we have this horrible travel schedule where everyone's just like, can't sleep. And we're traveling for 48 hours straight, you know, like you're with these people during very hard times (laughs) and you really see people's true colors come through like how you do in a family setting um but I kind of love it you know I thrive in it for sure and they're your for lack of a better term some of them are your competition like your oh absolutely like our women's team is like 
my biggest competition in the world, never mind, <laughs> like for Olympic starts, World Cup starts, whatever it might be. Um, so like that's been crazy this year as well. Like we had basically arguably six or seven girls who are fully Olympic capable, you know, capable of winning medals at the Olympics. So if we're only able to send four, like that's that's a tough setting. <laughs> I mean, it's a tough time. Yeah. How do you, is there not to get too like deep, but is there like, how do you guys handle that? Like, do they have a like therapist on site for you guys to be like, Hey, this is my best friend, but like, I want to beat her badly (laughs) and vice versa. But you know what I mean? Like that's a lot to deal with. And you're you're 22 years old, correct? Mm -hmm. So you're young and like, this is a ton of stress, a ton of pressure, and you've competed your whole life, but like nothing to this level, nothing to this extent. So how do you cope? How do you handle it? How do you like, and there is no answer. Obviously we all know that, but like, what's the secret? Yeah. So like, we definitely have a therapist that just got worked. (laughs) That's for (laughs) sure. Um, I love him. He's um, our sports psych, but he's also like obviously fully trained and like normal psychology. Um, and therefore, you know, you know, talking about how you want to approach the start gate or like you just mentioned, like, how do I deal with the fact that I kind of want to beat my best friend out there? But like, she's also my best friend. <laughs> like, I want her to do well, too. Um, you know, and all those kind of turbulent times and the Olympics brought out definitely a lot of underlying um tension I would say just because you see people under the biggest stress arguably of their lives and everyone deals with stress in different ways and um our sports psych definitely was really helpful and just like making sure we're all like focused on our values like what do you value as a person what do you value as a competitor um and remembering like your ethics and your morals right because it's so easy to get caught up on like I want to go to the Olympics I want to win a medal I I I and you're like but at the end of the day like you also want to be a good teammate because you value that you want to be a good leader you value that um and trying to remember that when you (laughs) when you're in very stressful situations where you're making a call on how you're going to react in the next 30 seconds like very quickly being like "Mm, like do I want to be that person today you know and like I'm not saying everyone pulled off their best in every moment you know I'm not saying I pulled off the best version of myself in every moment either but it was always a good reminder to be like at the end of the day you want to be a good person and a good teammate um not just like some random asshole who like went to the Olympics but like no one cares because you're a total asshole (laughs) um and so our team definitely struggled a bit with that in a, I'd never, and honestly, I say that we struggled with that, but I've also never been on an Olympic team before. This is my first Olympics. So like, this was my only experience. And like, everyone warned me that it does get chaotic, you know, it's, it's it just should. the way it is. I mean, as it should, as much as we don't like hearing that and we think it's all like butterflies and rainbows, <laughs> it's, it's competition. And like, I mean, if you watch, what was the Michael Jordan documentary, but like, People were yeah. like, like, we're not here to have fun. We're here to win. And like, that sucks. But like, that's what, that's your job. Your job is to compete at your highest level. And like, you're not here to make friends, unfortunately. But I mean, what I've thought about recently is like how much better 
the air probably is not the actual physical air in general, <laughs> but the, that was probably the wrong word, but like that we talk about mental health now and the struggles versus like 20 years ago, like you didn't have that opportunity. You didn't have, you didn't have a bad day. You weren't allowed to have a bad day. And like, at least now we can talk about it and people are like, oh yeah, I have bad days too. Right. Well, and it's funny. I think people are just a little bit more honest now and like, I think that's good. Right. Like it's funny. Oh, I was actually amazing. listening to a, a pod or not even a podcast. Like I listened to this meditation app. It's called healthy minds. And it basically has like a meditation practice and then a learning segment. And then they go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I was listening to one of the learning segments the night before the Olympics, like when I'm brushing my teeth, getting ready to go to bed. And the guy goes, Olympic athletes, a skiing, what did he say? Like winter Olympic skiing athletes don't think about falling at the top of the course. And I like paused it. I was like, that is hilarious. I was like, <laughs> because they do. <laughs> Absolutely. But I'm, like, but I'm like, this could just also be like an older thing. Obviously, like he, it's not a ski related thing. He just coincidentally, you know, like the stars aligned for him to literally say that. Um, but I'm like, no, like they do. I mean, I can't speak to everyone, but I can speak for myself. And like, I still have concerns at the top of the course. I think Simone Biles is a great example of that this summer with um, the twisties and whatnot. Like even at the people that are at the top of their sport, at the top of their game, potentially about to ski an Olympic winning run, like there's still things running through your mind. And like, that's okay. That's human instinct. As I always say to myself, I'm like, it's okay that I have thoughts about crashing and getting hurt because I am a human being who's trying to survive. <laughs> I was like, that's natural instinct. Okay. Like you can deal with that, you know, and I try to not like suppress those feelings, you know, and aim my attention at other things. And that's where my sports side comes into play. But I got a good laugh out of that. Cause I felt very old school to me being like, yeah. Oh, like, Michael Jordan never was concerned about failing, you know? And it's like, okay, like maybe he wasn't thinking about it all the time, but I'm sure there was a little part of him that was like, oh, I would really like to win this championship today. Yeah, I'm sure he thought about it. He just wasn't, the world wasn't in a place where we could talk about it. And now the world mm -hmm. is, and some people think that's wrong. And I'm like, this is great. Like Simone Biles, like, holy shit, I can relate to this person now because Two years ago, I couldn't. Her and I are like different ends of the right. spectrum. Like we are not the same. And now she's like, you know, I had a bad day and I can't shake it. And I'm like, oh, I can relate to you now. Like, oh, this makes sense oh, to me. You're not a robot. Yeah, you're a human being. That's phenomenal. And like, you know, and, you know, the hot topic right now is Michaela and everyone's like, oh, she, she failed. I'm like, failure and Michaela do not even exist in the same. Yeah. Like, no, she fell on a run that like 98% of us couldn't do. Like she didn't yeah, fail. Right? Her career is an all time success with like one DNF. Like, okay. Like it's not, and it's media and it drives everything and that's great. But you know, and the cool thing again with our world, I think like someone started it, Twitter outpoured with like, you got this versus mm -hmm. maybe two years ago it would have been like she's done she's over and now like but it's Get her changing out of here. it's changing and it's it's fantastic and it's you know there's always naysayers and the people you know people were mad about the super bowl halftime show I'm like what are you mad about it's dr dre like how can you be mad I'm like that was the best halftime show i've ever seen <laughs> right but we're younger i'm i'm gonna put me in your category for this one yeah but like <laughs> 
people are always mad about anything. So it's fantastic to see athletes, especially like elite Olympic athletes, be human. And it's horrible that sometimes we have to be human at that level because you train your whole life. But it's so comforting to see. And it's not like it's not ruining careers. It's not. No one's looking at Simone like they're like, oh, no, she's probably gotten more work out of that and i don't mean that in like a shitty way like of course she wanted to crush it but like we're comforting these athletes and we're putting them up on pedestals for being human which is like the greatest thing we can do as humans and i mean i think the coolest part and as someone who just experienced what we talked about before how to deal with adversity i mean it's so easy to win right winning's winning's easy. i have no how idea. to deal with yourself you can never want <laughs> No, but like winning's easy, right? Like you're happy. Your people are telling you how great you are. Like it's easy to like be a good person when you win, right? But when you deal with adversity, like that's tough. And how do you how do you talk to media? How do you talk to your fans? Like what's your MO in that setting? And I think Michaela, both Michaela and Simone, I think, did incredible jobs that I think go to show how much more important it is than just winning like that they're really great people you know you see Michaela Schifrin's posts on Instagram you know and like obviously Instagram's impersonal I don't know her personally but she does a great job at like giving a lot of credit where credit's due to other athletes when they do well and maybe she didn't have a good day or even when she does have a great day she always credits the other girls on the podium or anyone who did anything particularly spectacular that day and I think the way that she talks about sport these days is so, like you said, relatable. And I think she shows compassion for herself, even though she's, you can tell she's really trying <laughs> and she wants to be just so hard on herself, but I can see through it. She's like trying her best to be the best role, role model that she can be for that next generation, which is just like so much more important because like, yes, there's going to be so many little girls who are like, I want to be Michaela Schifrin. And let's be honest, like most of them won't be Michaela Schifrin, right? But they can be as good of a person as Michaela Schifrin is and follow in that and actually execute on that. And they're the only people that are in charge if they make that happen or not. We're like trying to become like the best of all time has a lot of luck with it too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. And I think it's, you know, it's changed and you, again, you're younger, so you've grown up with it. But like some of these athletes didn't grow up with Instagram and they're still doing like Sean White. We'll just use Sean White. But like <laughs> it's been in five, five Olympics, I think. Yeah. Social media wasn't the social media it is now. So like no. <laughs> when he had a bad day when he was 20, he could probably punch a wall and get away with it. Versus like if you have a bad day now, 15 years later. If you punch a wall, you're going to be on the front page of Good Morning America, whatever. Like, yeah, but it's like Michaela, like Michaela, when she sat there on the side, it was like all over everything. And you're like, actually, that's probably the most private moment she could have created for herself in that setting. You just violated her private moment. One hundred percent. And it's interesting. And I, you know, I think social media brings a lot of good and it brings a lot of bad. And I think as athletes now coming up you yourself and maybe you can tell me i'm wrong but like you guys are more versed in it you're more coached in it like you had this in high school you know the good effects the bad effects like i didn't have a a cell phone i had a flip phone in high school like 
I'm 35 years old. I don't think we're that far apart, but as technology goes, we are. And yeah. I mean, like, I feel like I'm always in a really funny spot too. Like I got a smartphone my sophomore year of high school, but like, I also very quickly, like once I got it, like Instagram was already a thing, you know, like I didn't have like a MySpace account or something like that. Um, but right away, I at least learned how important it was to not put anything online that you weren't like 100% behind, which I think is what's so important these days. Like, it's so easy when you're being emotional to like post something on Instagram real quick or like what your hot take is, but you got to really think that through. Like, does it, is it going to, you know, offend anyone? Does it match your brand? Is it something you really believe is true? Or are you just like in the heat of the moment, you know, and this is your platform to say your truth. Um, and that's like a really hard thing to navigate sometimes. Cause you're like, well, I do think this, but like, should I really be posting it online? Like that's a really tough line sometimes. And like athletes always get stuck in that spot where like, you're not a politician. You shouldn't have thoughts on X, Y, Z. You're an athlete. Just <laughs> ski down the hill and like shut your mouth. <laughs> and like, there's obviously, I get some element to that, like on the full extreme, but at the same time, you're like, I'm just a person who has freedom of speech in my, in my rights, you know? Um, and just because I'm an, labeled as an athlete doesn't mean I don't also like go to school for economics or something like that, you know, which I do. And like, maybe something in the news comes through that I feel like I'm not maybe a total expert on, but I feel like I can like weigh in on, on my thought, you know, you and still give your opinion it's just tough these days. Yeah. Give my opinion, you know? And they're always like, no, like, don't do that. Don't create, um, don't create a divide, you know? And it's so interesting. And I don't even know where I, I really lie with my brand at this point on where I stand with that, because it's so complicated. You don't want to offend anyone, but at the same time, I'm not someone who's just like going to be all walked over and be like, Oh, you shouldn't have a thought. (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, we, we have our platform and we have 14,000 followers and they're active and I think we have no issue taking a stand on shit that we believe is correct. And that's how we try to stay. And like, we don't want to be like, you know, we're not trying to be political. We're not trying, but like, we think protect our winners is a great cause. And right. anyone who wants to argue that, like that, we don't care. Try me. Yeah. Well, we don't care. Like, like we'll, we are willing to lose you as a follower and we're not going to fight with you, but like, you know, I think Ben and Jerry's ice cream or Ben and Jerry, I don't know if it's Ben and Jerry's or Ben and Jerry, but like they're very (laughs) political on their posts. And actually my first guest ever was Mike Hayes, who's their marketing director. And I asked him about it and he's like, this is stuff we believe in. And if you are on the wrong side of this, like if you're on the other side of this, you are wrong. And like, and they're willing to lose customers for it. And like, I think, you know, I tend to side with Ben and Jerry for a lot of their things, but like you're an ice cream yeah. company, shut up and make ice cream. And it's like, no, 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 we have a giant platform and we can, we can fight and help give a voice to people who maybe don't have a voice for, for situations and like topics that should be a no brainer to most humans. So it, oh my it's, God, yeah. you know, and it's hard. I think that's like, I think it's also like where, where it lies, right? I think if you're passionate about something and you truly believe in it and you truly stand behind it, then I fully support 
like being on social media, being in a podcast like this, being on any platform where you get to speak your truth and advocate for it. And then, you know, I think that like what media doesn't even have to say, but I think what this should truly mean is like, speak your truth about things you believe in. Don't spew bullshit. Like, but like, that's just life, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. I I don't need to like be spewing about everything that I see, every headline I see and say like my first thought on it before reading the news. Like, yeah, I don't like when other people do that. So why would I do that either? But like when I care about something, that's totally different. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. And it just adds another element for you. Like you're just trying to be an athlete, not just trying to be an athlete, but like your job is to be an athlete, but you're also going to school and you're also managing your brand, which is you. And you're also trying to be a 22 year old idiot, you know, kid. Yeah. And you're totally. also, <laughs> you know, trying to, you know, it's it's hard and it's interesting and it's fun to talk about because it's like at 22, I was a lot different than I am now. So like, how do you, and you're crazy though. Cause when you have these kind of platforms, what you do at 22 can follow you for the rest of your life, right? Like you take a misstep, you do something that, you know, if you were normal, like normal, right. You're just someone who like, doesn't have necessarily the following, like people will forget. People won't remember that you can move on from it, but it's also funny being like, okay, like I'm not like famous or anything, but there's certain things that you're like, "Mm, like, I don't, I don't want to necessarily misstep ever. You don't want to say the wrong thing at the Olympic press conference, you know, (laughs) cause you're just like not paying attention. And like, I'm definitely someone who's just like, pretty straightforward and not necessarily always politically correct with what I say at times. And you're always like, hope that doesn't come back for me because someone twists my words and like says that I thought this when you're like, really, I, I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's, um, it's scary, but it's cool and it's exciting, but it's also like, like you have a voice and you have a platform, but like, you're also human and you know, do they coach you? Like, so you qualify for the Olympics it's like December, right? Like you don't have a ton of time. No. So you qualify. Is there like media coaching? Do they like, how do they prep you? Like, okay, now you're in, you've got a slot. Like what happens? How does this like COVID's happening? So you're just like playing dodgeball with like a global pandemic. So like you're trying to train people are probably like excited. Killington, I don't know if we were recording when we talked about it, but like you're, you're from Killington. That's like your home mountain. Killington's a cult for anyone who's not listening in the best way. <laughs> but like people are trying to hug you. People are trying to like high five <laughs> you. And maybe I'm just speculating and making all this up, but like you're like six feet, like back up because <laughs> you just like you worked your whole life to get here and now you're here, but you're not there yet. Am I no, wrong? It was, Does this make sense? It was a l- it was literally like, I just had this realization. So good. Okay. I'll back up. I made the, the Olympics when we were in France, which was after like a month and a half of being on the road in Europe for our first couple of world cups. And like, what I get the news, I'm Sorry. leaving to go back to Vermont on like, I don't know, like that week, that Saturday, let's say come back to Vermont. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be great. So much less pressure over Christmas time. I can relax, celebrate you know, making the Olympic team. And then January one comes back around, we get back into training, all eyes are on like the gold medal. 
And then like Omnicron comes out of fucking nowhere and just hammers us into the ground. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I'm like, can we ever get a break? So like, like literally the day I got home, just like lock myself away with my parents. I'm an only child, which is nice. So I don't have to deal with like some sibling coming home from college and like losing my shit on them, you know? Um, So that was good, I guess. And so like, I go skiing like a couple times. I also like given I wasn't supposed to be skiing. I was like, have this lingering leg issue, um, like a bone thing that goes on. So I need to take some time off, but you know me, I like, I don't, I don't take time off. Yeah. My bone is like, just keeps wanting to like keep, um, getting a stress fracture. I don't know what its problem is. You probably need to drink more cheese. Exactly. More milk. (laughs) The oat milk revolution has really taken me down. Um, it really is. But so I like go out and I ski a couple times. And like you said, like everyone's so excited, lots of hugging, cheers, like all the things. And I'm just like up to here with anxiety, you know, like, like, Oh my God, I'm going to get COVID. If I get COVID now, I might still be positive for the Olympics, which is just going to ruin my whole lifelong dream. Now, isn't it Um, from like some scary thing that I can't see. So like so much anxiety. And then I end up actually after Christmas going out to Utah and just locking myself away in um, one of my friend's houses that has a vacation home there until we left for the Olympics. So like from December 28th to like January 26th ish, when we left for the games, I wasn't inside with another person. I did like grocery pickup. The only time I ever saw another human being was when I was training on snow on the courses. And even then I was wearing a can 95 and a mask. It's like a whole, whole thing. Very terrified. Um, and I was like, this is not how I pictured going to the Olympics would look like just like sitting in a house, like all alone for a whole month. Like it's, it's even different. Like I lived alone in the summer, but like living alone and being like isolated alone is like totally not the same thing. Um, and I just kept like having these realizations of like, is this worth it? Like, this is a lot of sacrifice for like a week. (laughs) And I was like, but at the same time, right. I've worked so long for this thing right and all and you work almost so long for it you're not even sure what you're working for at some point right because when you're so young it's some like very theoretical concept right like oh I want to be an Olympian like when you're 10 years old you're like well what does that even mean what does that even look like you know and then I'm like sitting in my room being like this is what it looked like (laughs) like that's not what I had imagined when I was in my room when I was a little kid looking up at the ceiling um, not to say that I'm not incredibly grateful for the experience and it was all worth it, but it was just like a really great reminder for me that like, you have to enjoy the journey. Like if you were, for example, like if I hated mogul skiing and I was just doing it to like become an Olympian, like have the title. And I was like, all oh, will be, I'll be happy once I make the Olympics. And I have that. You realize like, no, it's mostly about the journey. And the Olympics is just like the capstone moment where you now feel like everything was worthwhile. And like, I have now this amazing experience that I'll have for the rest of my life. And that was great. But for the most part, like all of my memories are going to be about the 15 years that led up to that one moment. Um, You know, and I'm so grateful for like my Killington community back home that has such a passion for mogul skiing. Like I loved so like every moment as a kid you know skiing and just being outside and all the people that I got to meet um I have so many amazing memories right like in competition free bumping spring skiing early skiing Christmas break like you name it like 
so many amazing memories and the Olympics was amazing. I had an awesome week. I wouldn't trade it for the world, but for the most part, like I'm going to remember the lead up to the Olympics and all those years of hard work and good times. Yeah. It's also, it's such like a, an asterisk for the Olympics, like the last two, unfortunately, like it's horrible to say that, but like, the Olympic village of years past seems to be a lot different of Olympic village now. And just like, you know, they're flying athletes in flying them out versus like most people would like go there and they would stay for three weeks and they would like, once you're done, be drunk for all of them, (laughs) (laughs) which is like the funniest, you know, but like it's a bunch of 22 year olds living out their, their childhood dream. So it's fantastic. But what was the, like, what is the village like? What is the experience like? Is it, are you guys isolated? Are you getting tested every day? Is yeah, it a little so looser getting, than, go ahead. It was interesting, right? We were getting tested every day, but as far as like, I mean, you had to wear a mask everywhere you went. But other than that, you could do whatever you wanted. Like I got my hair cut, you can get your nails done, you know, dining hall, given the dining hall has all those weird dividers, uh, cubicle looking things. But you still had a dining hall experience if you wanted it. And that was kind of up to you on your risk tolerance, which was actually really nice. We personally, as a team, decided to cool it down leading into our event just to make sure that like no one did get a stray thing of COVID um, because there are people coming in and out of the village all the time as far as new athletes coming in for their events, athletes leaving, whatnot. Um, but that was more of a personal choice on our team. And we had a few days after our event where we were able to like Super do all spread. the things that we wanted to do, go to the gift shop, haircuts, all the little touristy things. Um, so that was more of our decision, but like you could have been in virtual reality every day if you chose. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so I actually really enjoyed that aspect because it did I mean, I've never been to any other Olympics, but from what my friends told me who have been, they said it actually wasn't all that different besides the fact that like family and friends weren't there. So you didn't have to like go find them somewhere and hang out with them. Um, So that was honestly, people mentioned how like, yes, obviously you want your friends and family there, but we were wondering if we like competed a bit better because we didn't have that level of distraction of being like, oh shit, where's mom? You know, like, is she lost? <laughs> like, it's China. Yeah, you I were allowed her? to be selfish in the best yeah, way. You were like, just like, you... they, like, the only person you had to think about was yourself. Where, like, if my parents are there, like, they haven't left the country since they were 18, like, it would be chaos, you know? <laughs> uh, so I'm like, you know, maybe it was for the best. <laughs> How was how was China? Like, I don't, I don't well, know. I feel like they're going to listen and be mad at me, but like, <laughs> I just, like you, like I saw so many articles and I don't know what's real and what's fake, but they were like, bring a burner phone. Like, be careful who you text, be careful. What fo-. Like, did you feel any of that? Or were you like, this is fun. Like, this is, I'm sure there's plenty of po- like political things happening, but like, did you feel that as an athlete or is it a no comment? Do we have to delete this whole section? Like, uh, I'm out of China. They can come get me. <laughs> come find me in Connecticut. <laughs> but uh, anyways, I always laughed because for me, we competed in in China five minutes down the road in Taiwan. Like we've been basically to the Olympic venue for many years before the Olympics. Um, 
And so like, I was laughing because, you know, we have all those calls, like you said, about like burner phones and this and that, and like, you know, don't use technology and download all the things you need. And obviously there's some truth to that. I'm not saying there isn't, but for me, I was like, I've been to China before I've been right down the road. It's actually where I got my first world cup medal. Um, and I was like, all I used was a VPN and I was fine. And so like, for me, like, I remember I chatted into the zoom and I was like, are we trying to say that this is going to be like more high alert situation than like when we go for world cups, or is this just like in general, good China etiquette? Cause I'm in the back of my head. I'm like, if it's good China etiquette, then I'm just doing a VPN. Like I'm not doing a burner phone. I'm not good with technology. I have no idea how to like set up a new phone. Like I'm not doing that. And they were like, no, it should be probably pretty similar if not better because they don't want things to go wrong at the Olympics. So I personally just went with a VPN, but like my coaches and all the staff had to have burner phones. And like, it was so bad because it's like their numbers weren't working. The phones weren't working. Meanwhile, I had a great time. The only thing that I lost was my Snapchat. That's like gone. I got this email gone, like the wind, but I was like, well, whatever. I don't know if that was a China thing or coincidental, but (laughs) me and Jalen were like, we just lost our Snapchat. It's gone. It's been stolen. <laughs> yeah, gone. I don't really use it anymore. I'm like, whatever. But <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna lose one, I feel like Snapchat's okay. Like that's the best yeah, one to like, lose right now. I was like, whatever. But yeah, so like that was really the only thing that was like on high alert was just like making sure that like you weren't gonna lose anything, you know, I guess tech wise. I'm I'm so tech not savvy. I'm like, what do they even want from me? <laughs> like, I don't know like- what you would they I'm have like my the identity. Yeah, they have it. And like, I'm going to be yeah. the first person to like go to federal court when someone steals my identity and be like, nope, that is theirs now. Give me new numbers. <laughs> clear all my debt. Like that is your, Start you over. stole it. It's yours. You can have it. Start me over. Give me a new social security. I'm fine. You can have my name. I don't care. It's all yours. I'll give you my That's college degree. Said. Like, I will send you my degree. We can, like, your name is now mine, so you can have it. And I'm just going to start over. Like, that's going to be, I'm going to take them. It's going to be the first court case ever. It's going to blow up. It's going to be a huge thing. And I'm like, nope, that is now theirs. Like, it's going to ha- change the precedent. Yeah. Like that, uh, like that Russian skater right now, where they're basically letting her skate, basically, because like some rules are different if you're under 18. It's like, you're about to set a precedent potentially. Like, I don't know the details. This is where I could be getting into some false news, but like, you're going to set a here. precedent. Yeah, I love fake news, right? It's so good to spread. Uh- <laughs> also, what is Russia? Like, you're not Russia, but you are Russia because you just have a different flag, but you still cheat. I don't know it's like you might be setting a precedent that says if you're under 18 you actually can dope which is <laughs> but once you turn 18 you got to cut the shit out yeah how do you deal like that's terrifying as far as like because there is unintentional doping like it, it does happen uh i don't totally. think it happened in this situation but that's me speculating <laughs> and spreading false news but yeah. <laughs> like i don't know you, you you have a protein shake at the you know, whatever it's called, the lunch spot. What do you call it? Wherever you guys go to eat the hall. Cafeteria. Yeah. The, the cafeteria. dining hall. That's what I'm the word I'm looking for. But like, and someone hands you a protein shake and like, it's got creatine in it and creatine. I don't know if creatine's banned, but like, it's a banned substance. Like how, how do you like not get poisoned? How do you, you know, I, mean, I don't even mean poison, but like, you know, your, your leg that's broken consistently, you take an ibuprofen and for some reason it's a band. Like, how do you, do you just have a full list of like, do not eat or drink these things? Like, 
I'm just totally transparent here. I feel like I should be a bit more informed than I am. Personally, whenever I take something that I'm like, feels iffy, like even something like Icy Hot, you know, I usually just send it to our trainers and I'm like, is this good? (laughs) Can you look through that list of like a thousand different substances that are all in basically a foreign language? You know, like, I don't know how to read those things. It's like xenophobe with lava doobity, like whatever. I'm like, I don't know how to read that. (laughs) I never say that out loud. Um, But yeah, I mean, for specifically in the dining halls in China, the U.S. team or USOPC or, you know, whoever is the biggest body in charge of us. Um, went through all the meat and all the food there to make sure that it was um, didn't have any like banned substances or anything because that was definitely a concern because you know we <laughs> there's a lot of banned substances you don't know where these things are coming from yeah, you know if just, just eating uncontrollables like I don't mean uncontrol but like but sometimes... yeah uncontrollables I mean honestly like uh like I don't want trying to come after me for this but like every other world cup that we've ever had in China people get food poisoning <laughs> you know yeah, it so like there was definitely a lot of food safety concerns and you know as far as I know no one got um sick in the in the village so that was a win yeah that's because I mean in on China's defense like who knows why people are getting sick right I mean it could just be the fact that the food's different and their systems aren't aren't used oh to travel it. stress anxiety uh, you know, different cultures, different foods, feeding mass amounts of humans. Like there's, it's not just All China. Days. I mean, it'll happen in <laughs> yeah. Salt Lake. Like it, it, it happens. It's a real thing, but it's so much, you know, the substance thing I always find so interesting when it's like, you know, I don't know how far back they go or like how, like, I don't know. Are they right. Your like you go find like, the animal and the farm it came from. Right. But even just like, I don't know, the one snowboarder years ago, he got gold and they pulled it because he smoked weed. And it was like the greatest, like his press conference was like, we all know who finished first. And if you think weed helped me, then like, okay. But like, <laughs> like they, he's like, you can take my medal, but like I crossed first and that was not. And like he willingly smoked and he was a Canadian snowboarder. It was like one of the funniest, like not funniest, but he was just like, you guys all saw the video. I crossed. And if you think weed is performance enhancing, then like, then I cheated. But otherwise, (laughs) well, that's the whole thing with like the runner. I'm spacing on her name too. something Richards, I think. But like for her with having weed in her system, you know, and she's like, all upset as she should be right now because they're letting that Russian skater yeah, skate. And she's like, dude, all I did was smoke weed. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, anything that big is broken, no matter what, no matter how right they make it, no matter how wrong they make it, you know, judging, I watched the snowboard half pipe and like they ended up making it right. And I don't, I, again, I don't, I space on his name, but the kid threw a never been done half pipe run. It was the greatest run I've yeah. ever seen in my entire life. Like, it was insane. Like Todd Richards was going nuts on the mic. He's like, the judges yeah. screwed up and like, and they made it right. But like us gave him like the lowest score. And it's like, did us give him the lowest score? Cause they wanted Sean white to win. That's an easy right. jump to conclusions, but it's humans. It all goes back to being human. I don't think that necessarily there's like a intent, but like, I don't think that judge knew what he just witnessed. And that's, or she, I don't know who the judges are, but that's all I can I go with. So I that's don't That's like the tough spot about like overall, imp- I mean, any judge sport, right? But like half pipe, slope, they all do it 
I mean, once again, I don't know if I, I could be spreading fake news, but like some of those sports are just off of overall impression. Yeah, a lot of them. Which then becomes so hard when you have a situation like this and you say, why did you score them like that? And they're just like, well, I just thought it was a 91. <laughs> and you're yeah, like, and what do you okay. say? Okay. <laughs> me. This is my opinion. <laughs> that was my impression. We were like, and obviously like with mogul skiing, we still have issues with judging. But at least we have like a time component. Like you can't argue with that. Then it breaks down into um, your base score for your turns. Obviously, you can argue with that, but it's a very specific other score to argue with. And then your deductions, and then your uh, your jump score is multiplied by a specific set degree of difficulty um, calculation. So like you can, if you get a score you don't like, you can at least break it down to be like, okay, the problem was the fact that they thought I didn't have a good turn when I did, or you know, whatever it is, where like the overall impression, I'm just like, you're just asking the person and what their general impression was. Like, you can't really argue with yeah, that. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> but it's hard, I think, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think those type of sports, like a slope style and a half pipe and a big air are evolving at such a greater pace than maybe mogul skiing. And I don't yeah. follow mogul skiing, so like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like Johnny Mosley was like, he went through that, right? Like he did the dinner roll. I think it was the dinner rolls, but it was, mm-hmm. but like judges weren't sure because it never been done. And it was like, I don't, you know, you have purists of the sport who didn't want that evolution to happen. So it's like mm-hmm. in moguls as a professional, is it evolving like that? Or like, like what's changing? And again, excuse my ignorance and I, I don't care. I'm a big dumb idiot. But like I can't ski moguls. They just look really hard and I go as fast as I can through them and hang on. And I do it for 10 days a year at Killington at the end of the year. And that's my mogul skiing. And I throw the biggest spread eagle and everyone cheers. That's what I got. That's my mogul skiing. <laughs> well, it is the best kind of mogul skiing. But no, I would say like specifically women's mogul skiing. Men's mogul skiing is also progressing, don't get me wrong. But like women's, I think, was the most noticeable. Like from the last Olympics, like in 2018, basically every girl did a 360 to a backflip. And in this Olympics, I'm pretty sure there were only like two competitors that did a 360. Like the whole degree of difficulty was like insanely different for mobile skiing. It's probably like the, if I had to guess, it would probably be the biggest progressive jump in a short amount of time that there's been as far as like, if you didn't change from the last Olympics, you, were you weren't even going to qualify for these Olympics. Never mind, like just get like 10th place. Like you weren't making it especially on the American side of things. Like it just completely changed. And like, now you have girls doing, um, you know, court tens and stuff like that. Where like at the last Olympics, maybe there was like two or three girl- girls competing at court seven. Um, we're like now like everyone can do a court seven. Um, okay. You know, so and, I am um, wrong then the progression in moguls has like the progression in moguls from this past four years on the woman's side. I said, I would say it was really big, but, but I agree that, that like before that, super slow okay. like from like the donna era to like probably like 2018 so like 92 to 2008 like the biggest transition was like including a flip you wow. know um so where like judges, all of a sudden this year it was way different are the judges keeping up are they yeah like all of a sudden this year like our first podium like our first ladies podium of the year in ruka finland was like the biggest DD you've ever seen. Like everyone on the podium was doing either a cork to a cork grab or a back full to a cork or like a cork grab to a back grab. Like it was all like 
big DD on the girls' side. And it was like the biggest like slap in the face. If you weren't ready for that, you're like, it's not going to go well for you. This Olympics, like, sorry. And then like, honestly, the Olympics is a little bit different. Um, historically, I think the way it gets judged because those Olympic courses are just built so perfectly. Like anyone who's watching from their couches at home can tell that those venues look pretty pristine. Like China did a great job with all of it. Um, and those Olympic courses ski for the perfect run. We're like some of our other venues, like you can be a little bit more creative, you know, there's a little bit crazier flutter spots or something to be a bit more unique with. But like the Olympics is all about like skiing well as fast as you can with like no mistakes, like those classic Olympic runs that you watch for the next four years. That's what they want. Um, And I'm not familiar with other disciplines and what they're exactly looking for, who they want to make Olympic champion. But in mogul skiing, it's definitely they want to make the Olympic champion that picture perfect run they don't want the crazy they don't want the edge of your seat like that's not what they want to win the olympics now to win a world cup potentially which that's, is yeah that's interesting. how does year. that does that hurt you or help you for the type of skier you are i think i fit in the middle pretty well okay i'd say like the, my killington free bumper in me can come through to make it more exciting in the right venue um but i also grew up skiing killington courses which are like firm and icy east coast courses which you kind of had to ski picture perfectly because if you were any bit off to have a little bit more style maybe you're gonna crash (laughs) you know you're on your uphill ski for one second and you're just gone because you can see a reflection in those moguls they're so icy um so i feel like i get a little i grew up with the with both of those you know the winter was like uh downhill ski downhill ski downhill ski and then like spring bumpy and killington's like tie-dye ponytail flying creative artistic moments so i think i can adapt to both pretty well so how do you think i mean i know how the olympics went for you but how do you think it like personally went for you like competition day how do you feel what's your mindset kind of i don't know this is like an inside look of like how like you were just there like it was a week ago right i mean yeah like how (laughs) does that right so how does that where are you? What's your headspace? You get that you qualify. Great. You're now you're flying there. Okay. Then you have a qualifier while you're there. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you make it and now it's game day and it's, this is it. This is the whole kit and caboodle peacocks there. NBC sports is there. Whoever's there, like you're here and they're covering you. Where are you in your mindset? Where are like, how does it talk us through that? Yeah. So my biggest thing every comp day and honestly training days, but obviously harder to execute on comp days with all the extraneous pressure that's involved in those, but trying to stay super present and like very grounded in the sense of like, I want to stay present and grounded because I want to remember this moment. If I'm in my head with nerves, you don't remember those moments because your mind blocks them out because they're scary anxious moments that's like what the human body does um and I was like I might only go to the Olympics once or I might go three more times I don't know regardless I want to remember these moments and enjoy them so that was like my biggest thing and also like I compete my best when I'm present and grounded anyway so it was just like a really great reminder for me to just like anytime that you know you start to feel your mind drift away with anxious thoughts or thinking about results or anything that's not in your control. I just tried to always come back 
and just like ground myself and just like be on my feet on the ground and like do my kind of like really quick meditation and then just be like wow like I'm so grateful to be here this is awesome and this is what I plan to do in this run and anytime I'd start to wander that was like my process like reground myself moment of gratitude and then what I'm going to aim my attention at for technical skiing to like execute my best run and I think it worked out really well like I wasn't super nervous I remember all those moments I can honestly say I really enjoyed being in the gate like I wasn't sitting there like oh fuck me (laughs) like shit (laughs) wish I prepared more you know um I was like damn like this is cool this is awesome like let me fucking do this um so that that's awesome I'm really happy that I skewed on that and you know like you look back and you're like well like I wish I skied a bit faster like because I finished seventh and the super final was sixth and it was very close, you know, you just like, well, if I skied like, you know, 0.2 seconds faster, I would have been in there or something like that, you know? But like, honestly, I came down from all of my runs and I was like, I put down what I wanted to put down there. And like, yeah, Nick, I could go up there and potentially do it better and whatnot. But I didn't come down and I was like, oh, that was not my best version of myself out there. Like I had no reason to not be proud of what I did there in my Olympic experience. And to be totally honest with you, like Jalen's medal is, is Jalen's medal, but like watching her win that was my favorite moment of the Olympics. And, you know, Jalen's one of my best friends. She was my roommate at the Olympics, you know, one of my favorite teammates, you know, don't tell her I said that, but <laughs> so like her winning a medal, it's like, okay, like, yeah, maybe I got seventh or whatever, but it's bigger than myself. Like that's a medal for our team. That's a medal that represents all the hard work of our women's team and men's team these past few years. And um, I'm just so grateful that like, I got to be there and witness that and be a part of a moment like that, where you watch someone's dream come true and you know that you had a part in that. Yeah. I think that's a testament to you and who you are as a person. And as we talked about prior, like it's a team and like, ideally, you know, maybe you'll give yourself a, or I'll give you a little credit, but like you help drive her to that medal because she was competing against you the whole time. And like, mm-hmm. you know, the, that role could have been reversed. And hearing you speak about it is just refreshing. And again, a testament to who you are as a human. Like there is no angst. There is no envy. Like you went out, you did what you were supposed to do and what you came out to do. And like, of course you can always change a little thing, but like, it sounds like you've made peace with that. And like seventh in the world is you're seventh in the world. Like, well, that's like, like the other thing. People are like, do like still be proud of yourself. And you're like, what do you mean still be proud of myself? I am proud of myself. Yeah, like seventh, seventh in the, in the world. world is not easy. Like, what do you, like people are like, oh, you go to the Olympics to win medals. And I'm like, of course you do. That was my main goal. But if you don't achieve that goal, you're not a loser. No, <laughs> you've done nothing but I win mean, to get to that status. And you know, I'm sure it's hard. Of course you want a medal. You want, you know, that's always the Mecca, but like you're young, you have plenty of years. You could go back arguably. Um, it's very soon. You're going to continue skiing, I assume. Yeah, I'll do it for sure. At least one more year. Cause I'm in a school right now online. I still love mogul skiing. Everything's in line for me to ski another year anyways. So it's like, why wouldn't I? You know, it would be one thing if I was like, oh, I should 
you know, really start on school or like I have, I'm going to a school that I have to be in person for, or I have a job set up that I just am so excited for, but I don't have anything like that. That's just like knocking on the door being like, it's time. Um, so I'll for sure go for one more. I'm not sure if I'll go for another four yet. Honestly, like I only competed a week ago. A, so I haven't really had too much time to think yeah, about the next Yeah, it's a horrible quad. question as an interviewer. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, that's good. It's something I have to start thinking about though. I know it's in the back of my mind, but the other thing is like, like I kind of talked about in the beginning, like going to the Olympics is tough. It's tough for so many reasons. It's hard to qualify. Um, it's brutal once you qualify, dealing with all the aftermath of people who didn't qualify and just getting there. And like, who knows, maybe another global pandemic, as we've learned, things come out of thin air to make life a little bit more challenging. Um, so I basically just have to come to the realization, like, am I ready to push myself to be a better version for the next Olympics because I have no interest in coasting into the next games being like yeah I'm just gonna like sit back relax enjoy the ride and then like I'll just walk into the next Olympics like we know that's not true not many mogul skiers go for more than one Olympics because so many it's hard sport on the body a lot of new athletes a lot of new talent always comes up fast and so like I don't want to sit around and be passed I need to come to the realization like am I going to learn a court 1080 am I going to do certain things Am I excited to become better? What, how am I going to become better? And if I say yes to all those things, then I'll go for another four. And if not, I'll get a job. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a great attitude a week after the Olympics. Cause it's a horrible question for me to ask, but that's my job too. So I have to ask. Um, but it seems to give a good well, mindset of just being like, you know, I think it goes back to what you said about just being present and like, you're aware of your situation and, aware that there's some 16 year old girls who watched you and they're they're coming for you in the best way and there's nothing wrong with that that's great but like if it's your time then you'll go get a job and if it's you know if things are going good and that bone heals itself magically because you start eating more cheese and yeah. like but that's it's a good it's a great attitude to have and it's a realistic attitude and it's you know it's got to be a little weight lifted off your shoulder like you made it you were there you lived it you experienced it at 22 so now you're not 26 saying I still have to get this I still have to beat these kids who yeah are after absolutely me. and like the thing that's great about skiing any skiing sport I mean specifically mogul skiing in my mind is like I, so like I retire from mogul skiing right I'm still going to be mogul skiing that next weekend. <laughs> like right. it's not gone forever. Honestly, my favorite type of skiing is free skiing, free bumping, enjoying the mountain. I love the social aspect of it all. And then you just lose the pressure of having to compete and you don't need to like roll out your body at night and, and eat more calcium because your bones are falling apart. Like <laughs> I'm like, there's still, you still get all the best aspects of our sport when you retire. Like there's other sports where like, once you're done, you're, you're kind of done, you know, like you're probably not going to be doing that sport all too often anymore. Um, but skiing such a recreational activity. Like I'll always have that which I think makes retiring a lot easier if you think about it in that context. And if what you're truly worried about is losing the sport itself, um, because when people retire, it's hard to not lose your identity. I think even when people retire from their jobs, people deal with that, Oh, for sure. you know? So like for me, like skiing has been my identity since I've been like, whatever you want to call it, let's call it 10 years old. You know, when you fully said like, I'm going to be a mogul skier, like I want to go to the Olympics. So all of a sudden from 10 to 22, that is, 
That is your goal in life. That is your identity. And you've reached that goal, which is awesome. But what does one do next? <laughs> and then you're like, shit. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I love it. And I, I like that you said that because with skiing, I think there's so much more, uh, you know, not even bump skiing. Like I did a little, you know, Googling of you and it said like, I think they put it really funny. Like she enjoys skinning up the hill or something, but like, yeah. do you see, cause I always like that. I love taking skiers out of their element, quote unquote. So like, I think there's so much opportunity for you as a brand to do like some mountaineering stuff. And like, you put yourself into like these little, like not uncomfortable situations, but now you become like the uphill athlete and like you go and ski these big lines and like, you know, there's always like the mogul montage versus a big mountain and stuff. But I think there's so much more, especially with our world of Instagram and one minute edits. And like, there's so much more out there that you don't have to give up the sport. Like Tom Brady's not going to play football again. It's not like right. he can't just go and play like flag football. He's not going to get that. <laughs> he's not going to get that high. He's not going to get that experience. But like, you can get that for the next forever. Totally. And I mean, the other thing is like, I just love doing like stupid recreational adventures. Like my friend Becca and I, like we skinned every mountain in Vermont in a week. Why? We were bored. <laughs> that should we, have like, been that a video project. I know. I know. I'm not good with technology though. So I need to hire someone. Well, that's, yeah, you get paid. <laughs> we'll talk after this. Yeah, you we'll get, talk after. You get a budget and then we'll go and we'll tour every resort in Vermont. And Vermont tourism will pay us a lot of money to do it. I love that for us. And then we don't have, have to have compete. I'll have to call Becca. <laughs> she, Becca's in. We don't have to compete. <laughs> I'll be like the bumbling idiot normal. You got to have a normie yeah. in there. You have to have a normie. It's like you guys are up there and I'm like, like I'm yeah. struggling. But now it's relatable content because right. otherwise people, people. see how hard it really is. <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise people will be like, of course they can climb all those mountains. So you got to have like a normie do it. This is, we got this. This is. Oh, you know, what was my other thought concept for the Olympics. So, you know how people say like the Olympics should have like someone who's like a recreational nobody, like do the same sport to just show the guy who's like eating Cheetos on the couch that this really is hard to do. And I was like, what they should really do is take Olympic athletes at the end of the Olympics and have them switch sports. Because, like, I've never ice skated before. So, like, what? being like, Hannah, go out there and speed skate or figure skate would be absolutely hilarious. Because, like, that is an Olympic athlete who, like, has never figure skated or skated in their life. How and now we get skated? to watch them try to do a routine. At the foundry? <laughs> and put it on TV. Go to the foundry no, right now and go ice skating. <laughs> the pond is frozen. Right now. Get out. The <laughs> pond is frozen. People listening well, are point, like, like, what are you talking at, about? At this point, I'm like, is it a fun fact? <laughs> Yeah, now you can never ice skate. About me. <laughs> yeah. Now you can never ice skate. Like that's going to be like you're on your list of things to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a couple questions for you. These are my personal questions. One, what boots do you ride? And what is the flex? <laughs> Full tilt. Full but tilt. I've, um, I've, I've probably seen in like 20 pairs of boots in the past two years. But full tilt, I like started in as a kid. Like they were my first ever boots that weren't rental boots that I got in the fifth grade. And then I used them until like my senior year of high school. And then I like tried to switch it up for a few years and like go Fisher, Lang, this, that. But now, now I'm back. <laughs> what flex tongue? Six. Oh, that's <laughs> softer than I would think. 
Okay. Yeah, I like to, I like a really soft flex. I like to feel like I'm going to fall out of my boots. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Comfort. <laughs> All right. Comfort. Okay. What's your din setting? <laughs> Eight. <laughs> I don't really pay attention to that. I like that you don't know. How don't you know? I would have those. You're in the Olympics. They should be like 14. Are you running pivots? The only thing that, yeah, pivots. But um, pivot 14s. (laughs) A little baby ski. A little baby binding. But um, yeah, the only thing that I started to really hone in on for the Olympics was my tune, actually. Because China's really firm and could have been icy. So we really tuned in on that, and I didn't even pay attention to that. My coach handled that. You just ski. We did something weird. However yeah, you well, because like I used, I used to just say I want a one in one. Like no idea. Yeah, that's that the mogul tune. Yeah, but we didn't end up doing a one in one for China. We did something weird. It was like two, and then one, and then maybe a three. It was, it was like a whole thing. It was like a little puzzle art artwork. I love it. <laughs> and you're on ID one skis. Yeah. Right? I hate mogul skis. I can't ski them. I'm just not a mogler. It just doesn't make sense to me. That's fair. Skiing straight little sticks is is not everyone's favorite. No. Superstar or Outer Limits? <sighs> yeah, see? I I'm mean, digging, I have. I'm a, like a reporter right now. I'm digging deep into these questions. <laughs> I know. This, these are really good questions. Um, I mean, I have to say Outer Limits, but there is nothing like Superstar in May. But like, oh, well, is my home. Like that parking lot is where I grew up. <laughs> like when they build those fucking condos down there, you can bet I'm going to be the per- person out there with a picket sign, like tied down to the ground. Be like, you have to take me with it. And they're going to be like, get the lawyers out. And be like, I'm sorry. They'll be like, dude, you're our, <laughs> you're sponsored by us. I'm like, yes, but this is like my moral obligation. This will be the hill you die on. It's like yeah. no condos at OL. That, yeah, they're like, we're not taking a well away. And you're like, no, 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 you don't get it. The parking lot is very much part of the trail. <laughs> yeah, you're ruining it. Hammer or Radio <laughs> Ron? Oh, the hammer. I love Radio Ron, but like the hammer is like a personal, you know? <laughs> yeah, Randy can actually ski. Yeah. Radio Ron's a good friend <laughs> yeah, but, of mine. So I can say, but, and so is Randy. So I can really say either, but or the hammer. Um <laughs> Well, Radio Ron, I mean, there's nothing like hearing him ski down the trail. You don't even have to see him. You're like, oh, there he is. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hear, hear him. him. <laughs> That's my list of questions. <laughs> that Those is are it. some good questions. Oh, I do have one more that I just wrote. Um, what was the best swag you got at the Olympics? Oh, that's a good question. The best swag was these pair of, they were like the podium boots. So if you see anyone on those podiums. But they're really cool. And apparently they only made like 500 of them. Only athletes have them like super limited edition. I call them my moon boots because they kind of look like, I don't know, like kind of the classic, um, like just moon boot kind of out of this world. Looks like someone from Mars might be wearing them, but they're super cool. And like I wore them in Park City the other day because I only had my stuff from the Olympics because I hadn't been home yet. So I wore those around town and like everywhere I went, someone was like, what are those? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what they are, but they're are cool. Are they like the they? full tilt booties? <laughs> no, they're like Nikes. Here, I'll get them because I'll just show you. <laughs> Showing my shoes. <laughs> so they're like. Oh, these. Yeah. 
but they're just like i mean i scuffed them because i wore them every day but they're just like yeah trash they're just like you've earned fun and like different i don't know like there's something that i would like never buy in the store but then i'm wearing them and they're like gore-tex and i'm like oh these are nice that's amazing everyone listening is like what is happening right now yeah right (laughs) very excited about my boots i'm also excited about the olympic ring i don't have that yet but i'm a big ring person so i'm excited to get that whenever that arrives and a verified check mark you get verified yeah well that right like that's like that was hilarious because i got verified like I didn't even notice that I got verified. Like, I don't know when it happened, but it was very quickly after I got named to, or when I qualified for the Olympics in December. And then it was hilarious because everyone else who didn't get named to the team until the end of January, right before the Olympics, didn't get verified. And Kai Owens, who was on our team, was like the leader of making sure that everyone else on the team got verified, including herself. And she was like in everyone's office in the Olympic Village being like, how do I get verified? Put me on the list. And like, they'd be like, you're on the list. We're going to get to you. And then a couple of days would be by. And she's like, still don't see my check. (laughs) And so they all ended up being verified by like the day we left the Olympics. But that was hilarious to watch because she was like, Hannah, how'd you get verified? I'm like, as the person who's the least tech savvy in the least social media, um, you know, ask person on our team. I have no idea how that happened. <laughs> like, it must have been a screw up. I don't know. That's amazing. Is there any weird gifts that you got from China? Mm, yeah. Well, they did. We were there for the Chinese New Year, so they gave us like um a, like lanterns to make. Um, I was lucky enough. The biggest, I think, the biggest win that I got that I didn't realize was like the first day we were there. I went to the gift shop. And got Bing Dwen Dwen and Shui Ron Ron, which were like the two mascots. Just because I was like, I like stuffed animals. Like, I'm at the Olympics. I feel like I should get the mascots. And then I'm like listening to NPR when I got home in the car. And they're like saying that like, you can't buy Bing Dwen Dwen or Shui Ron Ron. Like in China, anywhere. Like everything's sold out. Like you're an Olympic athlete. Like the only way to get one is if you get one. Um, you get one if you get a medal at the Olympics. That's like what they give you first before your medal. Like that's the only way to be a shoe in to make sure you get a Bing Dwen Dwen. It's like, damn, I could sell those. Not for that I sale will, but... on eBay right now for anyone wondering. Yeah. Well, I, I did just list the uh, the Samsung phone Olympic edition. If anyone wants to buy that, just list it on eBay. <laughs> that's amazing. It like, sucks that you have to do that, honestly. We, that's a whole other podcast, how athletes don't get paid. This is like, this is the hill that... Uh, myself and the other host die on is like you shouldn't have to sell your cell phone to survive (laughs) like I'm sure you have an iPhone and like great but like you should make enough money that that can just like sit in a case forever and be like like, oh yeah I don't need to (laughs) it might be really cool in like 30 years when it's like a brick and people are like what is this thing because we just have like implants and you're like this is what Olympians got when they went to (laughs) like maybe you gotta wait to sell it well, I was like, do I sell my closing ceremonies thing on eBay? Like before closing ceremonies, because like, I'm not going, I'm back home. And I'm like, maybe that would sell for a lot of money. <laughs> but to your point, you're like, do I keep that like in my closet and like really never have it, but then I can look back at it 20 years from now, or do I like make some money on eBay? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a fine line. I think you just ski it on superstar. Like you just yeah. wear that kit and just, that's what you wear. Just rock it. Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> Hannah, I don't want to keep you too much longer. What do you have going on next? I'm sure you're just kind of taking a break. Maybe I'll put words in your mouth. Any sponsors to thank? Anyone to thank? Where can people follow you on social media channels and kind of anything else like that? 
Yeah, I'm going to be, he- be heading up to Killington and I'll be up there skiing until probably the first week of March before we head back to Europe for our last few World Cups. So if anyone wants to come free skiing or bumping around Killington, I'll be around. Um, my social media is handsore on Instagram, H-A-N-N-S-O-A-R. And yeah, I have some amazing sponsors, obviously. Killington, they're my my heart and my joy. Love that community. Um you know, as well as Toyota and Skeeta and Smith Optics, ID1, New Balance. Definitely got to forget one, but they're all so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they're all great. I love them all. Um, but yeah, super excited to get to go home and, and celebrate with the Killington community because we weren't able to before the Olympics with COVID. And now that it's all over, we can, you know, celebrate safely and ski together and get back to all the great things Killington has to offer. Go skinning. Biking starts soon. I got a new gravel bike in December. Pretty excited for that. Ooh, what'd you get? (laughs) It might be still a little too early. I actually got a Diverge S-Works, which was like crazy for me because I like know this guy um, who was able to like set me up with this woman, Katarina, who's an Olympian for mountain biking. And uh, she was selling a bike. So, and she lives in California. Like I wouldn't know her without a connection to her. And uh, she was really sweet and like sold me the bike for a reasonable <laughs> price. Cause I was like, I really want that bike, but like, I am poor. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm like, an athlete. Like, I don't have any money. I'm an, <laughs> but like, you know, from like one Olympian to the other, like can we get a discount. <laughs> and uh, so she was super sweet and I'm really excited for that bike and a lot of gravel biking this spring and a lot of free bumping. Cool. Uh, Hannah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Let me know when you're in Killington. I'll, I'll be, be on Superstar OL. I will <laughs> be there soon, I think. Episode 47 of The Pursuit on the Auto Collective. Uh, I'm Mr. Adam X. That was Hannah Soar. Such a fun episode. So refreshing. She was amazing. Her takes on things were just fun. And it was... I mean, we didn't go too much into her into her history, into growing up. Uh, I did a little digging. She was a KM. She went to KMS, which is Killington Mountain School. Qualified for the national team as a junior, mogul skier, absolute ripper. But what I love about Hannah is she hasn't she hasn't forgotten why we do this and why we go skiing and why it's it's fun. And she seems to really be present and be aware of her situation. And she just had fun. So everyone go follow Hannah at, I believe it's H-A-N-N. Let me, uh, I shouldn't believe anything. I should just look. H-A-N-N-S-O-A-R. So H-A-N-N-S-O-A-R. Follow Hannah, we're going to work on some big video project, maybe. Maybe I'm lying. I don't know. Follow me at Mr. Adam X. Follow me on TikTok, Pursuit Podcast. Follow at Out of Collective. Leave a five-star review if you really like this show. If you don't like this show, leave a review. Leave an honest review and tell us why you don't like it. You know, slide into our DMs. Feedback is great. We have a ton of fun and guests coming up. It's really exciting. And I'm like... I'm so excited to be part of this because it is it is palpable and it is changing and we are having the conversations in the industry that the industry needs and I'm happy to be a part of it. Uh, yeah, that's my rant. 
I am Mr. Adam X, and I'll see you tomorrow.